What is the payoff to being physically active? This is the first of two podcasts in which I plan to look at exercise, the health benefits and how we can better approach exercise so it's tailored to suit our body. The follow-up podcast will introduce you to how you can plan your own bespoke genetically tailored exercise plan, but more of that another time. There's a lot of hype about exercise, so can we believe that it's really that good for us? After all, for many of us, our grandparents never belonged to a gym, nor did our parents. So just how much exercise do we need and what type of exercise promotes good health benefits? This is what I've discovered. It seems that with age, most of us tend to become more sedentary. After all, we've raised our children, chased our careers, moved houses umpteen times, and are now relishing a little downtime. Don't we deserve it? Unfortunately, this can also happen at a time when we pay less attention to our diet as well. Again, easy to understand. After a couple of decades of looking after everyone else, food shopping, cooking, etc., why can't we now sit down in front of the TV with a well-deserved bar of Cadbury's and enjoy a bottle of wine? But in combination, these lifestyle choices, if not in moderation, can contribute to the decline in our body's production of something called nitric oxide, which in turn can accelerate the aging process. Exercise cannot stop the march of time, but it can make us physiologically younger than people our age but who are sedentary and don't exercise. So what's so important about this nitric oxide? Well, it's one of the most significant molecules in our body. It influences the functioning of every human organ, from the heart to the lungs and stomach. It can relax our blood vessels, reducing our blood pressure and lowering our risk of having a heart attack or stroke. So it's a pretty useful little ally. Nitric oxide is produced by the endothelial cells, which are like little workhorses in our cardiovascular system. Unfortunately, nitric oxide only lives for a very short time, so we do need to be constantly manufacturing it. Any help we can give our body to boost its production will be of great benefit, especially as we age when the production of nitric oxide reduces naturally. Synergy's food supplement ProRG9, containing L-arginine and L-citronine, by the way both must be present to be of any value to your body, will boost your nitric oxide production level. Be careful though when looking at supplements for L-arginine because other food supplements boasting L-arginine are out there, but some don't have good quality L-arginine, you're safe with Synergy's, nor do they contain a big enough dose. The daily dose must be four to six grams a serving if taking it once daily, and two to three grams per serving if taking it twice daily. If you do decide to boost your body's nitric oxide production, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't, then L-arginine without L-citrulline is not going to kickstart the production process. If you want peace of mind, Synergy's ProRG9 supplement does the job and is recognized as the best quality L-arginine food supplement on the market. It's even referenced in the American Physician's Desk reference as the best L-arginine supplement in the world. So let's get back to the impact of exercise and its benefits, starting with cholesterol. There is a growing body of research showing that regular exercise can boost HDL levels, that's our good cholesterol, by between 5 to 15%. If we are able to walk two and a half to four hours per week, we're more likely to have a good to bad cholesterol ratio of five or lower. That's what we're aiming for and our doctors encourage us to achieve. Why is this so important? Because cholesterol is one of the most frequently used indicators of our risk of cardiovascular disease. 
What about other contributing factors behind heart attacks and strokes? Well, the other biggie has to be the risk posed by the build-up of arterial plaque on the walls of our arteries. When these fatty deposits form, they can hinder the normal flow of blood and increase the chance of blockages within the vessels. When we exercise, we produce nitric oxide, which in turn can discourage these fatty deposits from sticking to the lining of the vessels. And thus, if they don't sit there building up, we have a reduced likelihood of, likelihood of blood clots. In 1947, my grandma went into hospital for a routine matter aged 40. Sadly for us all, back then less was known about the dangers of blood clots, and on the day she was due to be discharged, she got up from the hospital bed, dropped to the floor and died. My grandma died from a blood clot. She was just aged 40. I never met her. My own mum, aged 82, lives with the emotional scars of losing her mum as a young girl aged just 10. For so many families like mine, it's not a subject to be taken lightly. Now I've heard that our heart is strengthened by exercise, so does that seem to be true? Well, regular exercise can strengthen our heart and make it work more efficiently. Since our muscles need more oxygen when we are active, our heart has to pump more vigorously to transport blood. Over time, with regular exercise, the heart becomes stronger. It can then deliver more blood with each beat and our resting heart rate lowers, another marker that our doctors love. Anyone noticed a slight widening of the tummy gut area that we blame on getting older and accept it as inevitable? Aging may be a factor, but so too is a lack of exercise. Exercise can put us on the fast track towards weight loss. At any given time, 30% of us are dieting. Yet unless we see exercise as part of that weight loss equation, we often fail to achieve our weight loss goals. Or we end up yo-yo dieting for decades of our lives, often in absolute misery and resentment. Such a build-up of negative emotions leaves us mentally less able to fight off urges to treat ourselves and follow our cravings. Cravings, by the way, caused by imbalances of hormones and bacteria levels in the gut, but more on that topic another day. It's a sad irony that these strong feelings of needing to treat ourselves work so directly against the principle of looking after ourselves. At the end of the day, physical exercise accelerates our metabolism and it can remain elevated for up to several hours after a workout. The more strenuous and prolonged the exercise session, the longer our metabolism continues to burn calories. Well done us! As if that weren't enough of a benefit, exercise also helps to preserve and increase lean muscle mass, decrease our body fat percentage and can put a damper on those hunger pangs. Furthermore, anyone who has ever been to the doctor with stress will have no doubt been told to exercise because exercise can help reduce the levels of cortisol released by our brain which in turn helps reduce the risk of osteoporosis. Who knew? So how much exercise are we talking about to benefit our health? If you're worried you're going to need to start running marathons or make the local gym your home away from home, fear not. Most research now shows that you can realise the benefits of producing more nitric oxide in your body without having to collapse from exhaustion. Thank goodness. All we need is a commitment to exercise at a moderate level and to do it regularly. And what does that mean? So the minimum prescription is three days a week for 20 minutes and walking is just fine. How we plan to achieve that much will differ for all of, for all of us. We may be starting from a point of being able to manage five minutes a day for two or three days. But with constant effort, it does build up over time and most of us barely notice any increase in effort. 
Clever old hypocrisy. Oh, clever old Hippocrates described walking as man's best medicine. So keep things simple and start boosting your exercise by walking three times a week. You don't need a personal trainer or gym membership, just a good pair of shoes. It is important to choose an exercise that you can enjoy as that helps us stick to it. I've recently learned that if I write my half hour daily yoga practice into my diary, I'm far more likely to stop whatever I'm doing at 5pm and get out the yoga mat. In fact, I feel disappointed on those days I can't or don't. Checking your pulse from time to time when you exercise is a good idea, especially if you're exercising after a long period without exercise. If we are of average fitness level, we'll be aiming for a pulse of between 110 to 120 beats a minute as we exercise. Of course, no one is asking you to set world records or compete with anyone else. We won't generate any extra nitric oxide by pushing ourselves so that our heart rate is over 120 beats. So do keep your exercise to a moderate and comfortable level and pace. If you thought you had to live by the famous workout words of Jane Fonda, no pain, no gain, please delete that from your memory and play, replace it with something like train, don't strain. In summary, there is a clear payoff to being physically active on the journey to good health. To qualify as active, we need to do more than just dash from one meeting to another or pushing a, be pushing a shopping cart down the aisles of the supermarket. It may have taken us years to get out of shape or change our shape to its current form, so we do have to give ourselves time to regain our health. The recommendation, in summary, is 20 minutes of our time, three times a week. Of course, do be sensible. If you have led a sedentary lifestyle for years, contact your doctor before you begin to exercise, especially if you have a history of high blood pressure, heart or lung disease, chest pain, joint problems, or suffer from fainting or dizzy spells. When we do exercise three times a week, our blood vessel health will be strengthened, thereby making additional nitric oxide continuously, even on days when we are not exercising. In my book, that's about as close as we get to having a free lunch. Now where are my walking shoes? <laughs>